With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on OffTheHookSports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. All right, it is a Thursday. That means that Josh Ward will join us. Big show on tap. The Vols with their second practice of preseason camp. We'll talk to Josh about best-case scenarios. What would really make for a fantastic camp for Tennessee? Also, we'll look back at some of Josh Heupel's comments. Some of the strongest metro areas on the Vols' 2023 roster. They might surprise you. And... We're going to get to the 10 greatest single seasons by a Tennessee defensive end. And there's some pretty good ones. We call it wide receiver U, and rightly so. But Tennessee's had some pretty incredible defensive ends. So we'll break that down in Smoky Hot Takes. And is FSU to the SEC inevitable? I believe so at this point. We'll dig into that a little bit deeper. Hello, Caleb Calhoun. How are you, sir? Happy Thursday. I am tremendous, Dave. Um, I, I, I'm just going to keep reminding you that every time I look at the standings, I believe my Orioles are seven games ahead of your Yankees now, but I'm not sure about that in the ALS. Yeah, but yeah, trading for Shohei Otani should certainly help. Oh, they decided not to do that. Um, but anyway, um, they'll sign him in the offseason, and then your Orioles will be relegated to just awfulness. 
Yeah, that's I, I remember hearing that like when the Lakers signed Dwight Howard in 2012 and they were going to be back in, in, in the picture and they still haven't won a ring. Saddest thing I've ever seen in sports at the end of Dwight Howard's career, him realizing that a seven-footer has to be able to shoot threes and he's practicing threes. And I could have gone toe-to-toe with him and shooting three-pointers. It was one of the saddest things that I've ever seen. I would I would kill whoever leaked that video. I would have been so absolutely upset. So, uh, Duvall's back on the practice field. And just so everybody knows, uh, sometimes you don't. If, if, if you've been around practice a lot, you, I'll go ahead and tell you that the first couple of days are an acclimation period. And uh, Tennessee, I think um, – they are in particular pushing a little bit harder because of the influx of freshmen they have coming in. I found it very interesting that Tennessee made their freshmen available to the media yesterday, several of them. And we wrote about them on off the hook Some pretty interesting catch Shadavion Bradley, I thought was uh, really interesting. We'll have more of those uh, coming out. But this is a uh, program. Well, let's just go ahead and get to it. It's today's tough question. It's brought to you by Zen Sports. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, Caleb. So what stood out from the balls opening of fall camp to you? That's today's tough question. To me, it's that Josh Heupel just seems that much more confident. And that means he's making freshmen available. He's not afraid that they're going to say something stupid that might be bulletin board material, that they could leak something about the offense or defense accidentally, as far as from a schematic standpoint. Uh, His uh, comments that there's a dramatic difference from when he showed up on campus um, I'll even go Joey Halsley talking about Nico would be ready to play to open the season if they had to do that for whatever reason. I would just say sense of confidence across the board is what stands out from from Tennessee's opening of uh, preseason camp. What about you? I'm going to say something totally different. And it, I may be are scared. I see a sense of. This doesn't mean scared about the season or lack of confidence in his ability, but I see a little bit of insecurity in Josh Heupel. Yes, insecurity. How so? Okay, so talked about the culture change and how much better it is now than when he took over. That was a Sean Payton-level shot at Jeremy Pruitt. Like what Sean Payton did with the Broncos coach a couple weeks ago, that's basically what Josh Heupel just did to Jeremy Pruitt. Yeah, and for those that don't know, um, he said, uh, what was it exactly he said? It was the maybe the worst coached season. Yeah, Sean Payton took over Denver and said it last year, maybe the worst coached season at Denver that I, I've ever seen because he talked about all the issues that he's having to deal with right now. Yes. And like a direct shot. Josh Heibel's implying that. On top of that, he's bringing all of his freshmen out because remember, this is his first – this is his second recruiting class, but the first one that he was able to work on full time. Right. And so, because that, that 2021 class were, wasn't his at all. 2022, you know this, your first actual class, like after your first year, you didn't get to fully work on that class. This is the first class he was able to fully work on. Great. So, 
I would say that I think Josh Heupel is hearing the chatter that he won with Jeremy Pruitt players. And I think it's getting under his skin a little bit. And that's why I think he touted the freshman. Um, I think he's heard that chatter. I think he knows that to be partially true. If there's any insecurity, it is somewhat well-founded in that I wrote a column that Tennessee has not gotten the big guys up front like Georgia has. Even though their recruiting has been a top 10 and it continues to improve, I, I, I do think that they've relied on some of Jeremy Pruitt's talent. And I think they have to prove they can get some of those. I'm going to use this term, the Cade Mazes of the world. You know, the guys that are ready to play when they step on campus. He was ready to play at any school in the nation and maybe a couple of NFL teams as soon as he showed up on campus his freshman year. So that may be my new term. But the the Cade Mazes of the world, he has to go get those guys. Is he insecure about those guys? I don't know. I mean, that's. That's the next step. It was the first thing that Kirby Smart said when he took over at Georgia. He goes, you look at the fronts, we've got to get bigger, faster, more athletic up front. That is the final step to becoming, for the most part, a championship program. Now, I think TCU did a little bit with some pixie dust, uh, but they were pretty good up front too. So is is he insecure? To me, that's a little bit too strong of a word, but I do think that he's... I think he's confident. And was he taking a shot at Jeremy Pruitt? Maybe. Um, but I just, but I think it's so true. I mean, I, it just, they were so, so bad that there was jokes made that some of the media could have gone out there and run with a linebacker unit. I mean, it's a statement of fact is the only reason that I'm I'm not quite willing to go down that road with you. But okay, so maybe not. In, what is the word you would describe? Like we all watch Michael Jordan in the Last Dance documentary, and when he talked about how things ate at him, and he took it very personal. I I don't I, I don't know what word you use to describe. I think Josh Heupel is taking it personal that there's still chatter among the college football elite that he still hasn't shown himself to evaluate talent well. Again, this guy thought Joe Milton should start over Hendon Hooker, and that was more about him picking Joe Milton. And we all know Hendon Hooker was better. And I mean, I, I ask any Tennessee fan right now, who would you rather have as your quarterback this year? Joe Milton now or Hendon Hooker for another year? Everybody would say Hendon Hooker for another year. Okay, but is that is that a lack of confidence? I mean, that or is that an insecurity? I, I think that if you're a competitor, you do find things to drive you constantly, constantly. And I, I'm guilty of that. I probably I don't share every one of them with you, but. If uh, such and such says, you know, we've had conversations about with other radio stations about carrying the show. They said, well, we we want to, but we can't clear it yet. Well, I take that personally and it makes me mad. It makes me want to go do another production element or schedule another great guest. So, I mean, to me, that that is finding ways to continually motivate yourself at a high level. So maybe it's the same response maybe deep down i am insecure maybe deep down josh heupel is insecure and that's why we have to find reasons to continue to motivate ourselves but is that insecurity or not i i don't know caleb you could be my therapist and i could save a hundred dollars a week but it manifests i mean there's sometimes confidence turns into it in hip-hop kanye west was insecure very clearly insecure and, but he was confident, and so he always would do things that people said he couldn't do to prove them wrong. He just took it way too far. 
<laughs> okay, so, so deep, deep down, do you think that Michael Jordan is insecure? Yes. Yes, I think Michael Jordan is insecure, but I think it's what makes him a great competitor. I, that's what I mean. I think it's what makes him so good was Michael Jordan let things eat at him so much that he used it as personal motivation to try to overcome it. But that is an insecurity. Okay, you're sort of winning me over because of what went down at Oklahoma where he got pushed out the door. So maybe he is insecure. He's always, because I mean, those type of things, they didn't call it PTSD 30 years ago when you when you get fired from your dream job. But that was his, probably his dream job at the time and to rise to be the head coach of Oklahoma. But I'm sure that he had PTSD. I'm sure it affected him, probably still affects him to this day and motivates him so if, if that somehow created an insecurity professionally it's made him a better coach so be insecure all you want it hasn't affected his confidence as far as throwing guys out on the field in unique positions doing things a little bit different being aggressive in nil when it was a very gray area i thought along the nil line that one coach would misstep and mess something up. He hasn't done that. Um, and we, we haven't seen that happen. So, yeah, if it's a deep-down insecurity for whatever reason, be it daddy issues or mommy issues or the Oklahoma thing, it's working for him. Wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. That's why I've seen it in a good way. I'll give you another coach, a great example of someone who is insecure. Steve Spurrier. Took it very personal when he was fired by Bill Curry. Go back and look at Steve Spurrier's history. When Bill Curry took over at Georgia Tech and fired Steve Spurrier, and he always ran up the score against Kentucky when he was at Florida because of that. And okay. and he, I think a lot of his pot shots at Tennessee were based on the fact that he grew up 90 miles from Knoxville, and Tennessee really had very little interest in him in the 60s when he was a quarterback coming out. Well, that's true. And if you want to say that Steve Spurrier is insecure, then I kind of see where you're going there because he come he came across as the most confident dude ever, and he certainly enjoyed it when he won. So I, I, I mean, at what point, if if there is any insecurity in what Josh Heupel's saying and addressing the media, is he over that? Do you have to win a championship to get over that? And then you're does he turn into Steve Spurrier, cocky little one-liner things, because Spurrier did that once he started beating Tennessee? Possibly. I mean, that's the thing. You can be insecure with confidence. That that would be intriguing. I mean, here's the thing. So, there, And by the way, there's insecure with confidence and then insecure, so insecure it manifests in arrogance. I think Lane Kiffin was not fully sure of what he could do when he was at Tennessee in 2009. And that you agree with me, Dave, right? That manifested in all of his pot shots that he was throwing. Oh, I don't think there's any question that deep down he was he was insecure. And what person shouldn't be? Was he 36 years old or something when he got the job? 33. Because uh, we're the same age, so I've gotten old. Um, so it uh, that is, yeah, I mean, if that's insecurity and if that's what drives you, then uh, go for it. Hit that like button for me if you're on board now, big group already. And if you haven't subscribed, do that. And be sure and hit the notifications button. So uh, a very special conversation that we're going to have tonight with Dwayne Goodrich on the Celebrate 98 series that I was super excited about. A quick aside, Dwayne Goodrich went to prison for eight years and he had those bonds with his teammates and his players. There was the incident. He was the, for those younger than me, he was the former cornerback at Tennessee he was drafted to replace Deion Sanders so they could get out from underneath his contract 
uh, in the second round. And then he was involved in an accident, which he was headed home late at night. And he, he killed two people that were trying to help someone that was in a burning car. He went home later, turned himself in. There's a very emotional uh, YouTube video about how he's forgiven by the family and he did eight years in prison. NFL career's over. You do eight years in prison. I mean, you don't come back out. And he went to Fred White, who's going to join us on the program tomorrow, and said, I don't know what to do with my life. And Fred said, well, uh, you should go back to school. And Dwayne said, I'll go back to school if you go back to school. So they both went back to school, lived together, and graduated together. Uh, so we'll visit with him about that and what he's up to. That'll be in the Celebrate 98 series. So I encourage you to turn the notifications on. So, are we saying that Josh Heupel is insecure and insecurity is a good thing? Yes, he's insecure the way Michael Jordan is insecure or the way Steve Spurrier was insecure. Which is, he's confident in what he can do, but it's eating at him what the chatter is about that he can't evaluate talent. And he is burning to prove people wrong on that. Today's tough question brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way... You earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. You, what you see is what you get. And with their cash rewards program, you get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the promo code HOOKED. That's right. Hooked. Uh, unlimited 5% cash back for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with the code hooked, that's right. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting and keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen sports is bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen sports, Zen sports betting just got better. What you think of uh, him rolling out freshmen? as much as as he did is that a recruiting ploy is that what's the reasoning behind making freshmen available because you can be successful in one of two ways but my guess is that Alabama is not making a bunch of freshmen available that Georgia is not making a a bunch of freshmen available it's oftentimes something you do especially in the NIL world, to show players that you're going to promote them to help you in recruiting? Or is it just that Josh Heupel is more comfortable with the media? Butch Jones thought Tennessee's media was horrible. He said, did he use rat poison as well? Caleb, I think he did, or he had some other term that uh, talking about the media or fake news, fake news. He pulled that from, I think, a, a former president. He used fake news. Whereas I believe Josh Heupel is starting to figure out how to use the media. And you roll out the the freshman there, and it takes the conversation away from the quarterback position. And you go out and you you tell a prospect, hey, um, you're, you're not going to sit in the shadows like back in the 70s and 80s uh, as your freshman year or not even be able to play before that. You're going to be a name. We're going to build your brand. You're going to have endorsement opportunities via NIL. Is it pragmatic like that, or is it just Josh Heupel is more confident? It's a lot of things. It's it, it it's back to the first thing we talked about. It is to send a point that, that he wants – because, again, this is his first full recruiting class. It's to send a point that these guys are going to be stars, and I picked them out, and don't forget that. 
in the future. I think it's that. I think it's to send a message to the older guys. Nobody's really a starter here. It is NIL. This is probably the first. This is the first NIL freshman class. And what I mean by that is the first class that NIL had a huge hand in recruiting them. We we know the Nico story. And so there's a lot of that. And and no, I'm with you. It's it's I, I also think it's to give the freshman confidence. I, I I thought about this. I think it's a mistake that Nick Saban doesn't tell trot out freshmen a lot because Nick Saban he'll throw his players under the bus, which he has a right to do because he's won seven national titles. But I remember when Alabama beat, remember when Georgia beat Alabama in the national title two seasons ago after Alabama beat them in the SEC title and they had all those injuries. Saban said the whole all season, pretty much throwing his secondary under the bus saying, you know what? They weren't ready to go when guys ahead of them were hurt. Well, maybe they weren't ready to go because you didn't give them the publicity that they needed. Josh Heupel is sending his freshmen up and say, Hey, be ready to go in case one of our older guys get hurt, particularly when because of what we talked about Monday, the 2021 recruiting class has only four guys left. Dave, I don't know if you realize how so few juniors are on this roster. I mean, it's like upperclassmen yeah. and freshmen. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I do. I mean, I think 2024 is somebody told me within the program said that that's when it gets dicey. He didn't mean dicey is a bad way. He just meant dicey as a lot of these, in particular, these uh, freshman offensive linemen, I'm sorry, underclassmen offensive linemen are going to have to step up and be ready to go. The guy that stood out to me, so here's who visited with the media yesterday. It was offensive lineman Aiden Bustle, Ball's defensive lineman David Hobbs, who is the second highest rated uh, prospect in this class behind Nico. Then you had defensive lineman Tyree Weathersby. You had Ball's running back at Khalifa Keith and Ball's defensive lineman Trevor Duncan. But the guy that stood out to me was Shandavion Bradley. Uh, here is a guy who is just so open and honest about, I'm not at the weight I need to be. I came in at 216, 217. I got up to 227. I'm struggling to stay at 225. He also says, I absolutely love it when Rodney Garner yells at me, uh, his position coach. He says, that makes me better. The other thing that he shared that I thought was incredibly interesting is, so Garner goes into his high school after they've signed Shandavion Bradley, who was a huge pickup for Tennessee. And then it's over, okay? As Philip Fulmer used to say, you have to de-recruit them, okay? And that means that you have placed them on this pedestal, and now you have to bring them back down to earth and make them coachable young men. And he said Rodney Garner, after signing day, comes up to him to recruit other players. And he goes, hey, I'm, uh, I'm just here to, I'm here to tell you that um, you're signed and we're not being uh, nice anymore. We're going to uh, start to uh, work you heavily. And they did via text and made sure that he was on top of his game. And I found that interesting. Uh, Shandavi on Bradley, what kind of an impact can he have? I'm not sure. But he seems to have the right attitude, uh, Caleb. And I think that I think that Tennessee's got a good one. Seems like a really smart guy with a head on his shoulders, and obviously has a frame that can add an awful lot of weight. Yeah, and and, and we talked about this, and you had a couple on David Hobbs and J, J, Shandavian Bradley yesterday. I mean, if you're a defensive lineman at, in any way or an edge rusher, you should embrace being yelled at. Like the whole point of being a defensive lineman is to play as you talked about, with your hair on fire every single play. And that's really, really, really hard to do. And so I think I think, I think, think that's kind of the, the goal here is they want 
Shandavian Bradley to and David Hobbs. They seem like that. If you are a truly good defensive lineman, you will embrace the confrontation from coaches and the intensity that comes with it. No. And uh, Robert said, uh, well, freshies are part of the team, right? But usually coaches, well, I'm not going to say usually, it's not unusual for them to not be available to the media. And that's a pretty common practice uh, among among coaches. They don't like to bring the freshmen out there because they could say something stupid or provide bulletin board material. Josh Ward will join us next. The five things that could happen that could make for a great camp for the Vols. We will be back in just about two minutes. Hang tight off the hook sports. Josh Ward of the Sports Animal coming up next. Candace, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. Candace has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan and goes to shop. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Objective coverage. Hey, that's new. If we get cut, we're going to jail. The Dave Hooker Show. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. I'm going to need to see some identification. Back to Dave Hooker. We love it when this guy joins us. It's Josh Ward of the Sports Animal. You can listen to him from noon to three at Josh underscore Ward. He's already in studio at work because he is a grinder and he's at it. How are you, Josh? I'm good. Yeah, the uh, the grind never stops, especially when we get to August, which is here. Amen to that. Um before we get to a column that you wrote on offthehooksports.com, and it was uh, what could make uh, a sublime preseason camp for the balls, and you you brought out, uh, I think, five different aspects of what could make this a really good camp for Tennessee. What have been your thoughts on not only camp, which you can't see a lot of practice, but Josh Heupel's 
we were talking about whether or not it's it's confidence or he was uh, uh, taking a bit of a shot at Jeremy Pruitt when he said the roster is dramatically different. Just kind of what are your thoughts on that before we dig into your column? Yeah, I didn't view it as a shot at Jeremy Pruitt. I viewed it as bliss. <clears throat> I think the last couple <laughs> of years, you know, have been challenging in terms of the amount of work that it took to get them to this point where they're comfortable with everything they had. Now, last year they won 11 games. They had guys like Hinden Hooker and Jalen Hyatt to take advantage of, Darnell Wright at right tackle, and those guys were left over by Jeremy Pruitt. They won a lot of games with guys that they inherited. You know, They, they kind of helped lead the way right over the last couple of years. So <clears throat> now it's the, the next group of players. There are still some players that have carried over, but now there are a lot of players that Josh Heupel and his staff have brought in. But we can pretty quickly point to some position groups, I think, that he had in mind. I think the defensive backfield with the number of players that can now go compete and the number of athletes they have in that position group. I think linebacker is a very obvious position if you're going through the roster with somebody like Keenan Peely coming in as a transfer and then Elijah Herring and Arion Carter, who they love as you know, future players and guys that can help right now at the position, but in terms of what they can become, that also helps special teams where you have some of these guys that may not factor in as a first team or won't play as much as a second team member, but will help on what special teams is. The roster is just deeper in terms of talent and athleticism. We'll see what that means in terms of the results, but every coach wants as many players that they believe they can count on as possible. And Josh Heupel has a lot more than he had two years ago. Yep. Before we dig into that column, Jacob Warren, what do people need to do? What's up, everybody? This is Jacob Warren asking you to like, subscribe, and share. Dave needs this. He does. He's Josh Ward. I'm Dave Hooker with Caleb Calhoun. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. And let's look at some keys to camp as uh, Josh Ward sees it. And it's brought to you by Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Best prices, best service in the biz. It is not even close. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. He's my realtor. He should be yours. You start with cornerback. That seems like a reoccurring theme the past couple of years. What would make Tennessee's camp fantastic? You've got number one top of the list. Nico Slaughter establishes himself as a lockdown cornerback. Yeah, number zero becomes the number one focus here, and that is because the secondary has to improve from where it was a year ago. It's great to have as many players as they do, and it's great to have legitimate competition at corner. They still need someone to emerge, and I think if you look at upside, playmaking ability, ability to help in run defense as well as what he can do against the pass, Danico Slaughter is going to stand out. And if Slaughter can become a number one corner, a lockdown type player, well, then that takes pressure off a newcomer that they're very excited about in Gabe Judy Lolly and some of those freshmen that they still are expecting to factor in to the defensive backfield. And if the secondary is better and they're, they can rely more on a number one corner against opposing number one receivers, knowing how good the rush defense can be based on the development we've seen the last couple of years in that area, well, then Tennessee's defense could be a lot better, which is the next step Tennessee needs to take to show that it can compete against the elite team. So the conversation with what Tennessee needs to be defensively starts up front, but there's already more confidence with the players coming back up front and the coaching of Rodney Garner. It's the personnel that needs to emerge and play at a higher level in the secondary, and to me, that starts with slaughter. Josh, uh, the next thing you brought up on on your list is actually something that 
uh, I've talked with Dave on. I, I don't know if you know, I got a little personal story. Gerald Mincy, I feel like just how you talk about he starts camp as John Campbell's backup at left tackle when we all thought he could be the heir apparent to Darnell Wright at right tackle. And it does seem like his mental focus is not there. And just before I want you to dive in to give me your thoughts, I told Dave, last year, Gerald Mincy came at me on Twitter because I said he makes too many pre-snap pen- mistakes. And Mincy was like, I only have one penalty. I'm like, if you're worried about a blogger uh, in the middle of a season after playing Alabama, I'm already questioning where your headspace is at. <laughs> is, that, is that your thoughts on Mincy? Well, uh, I'm curious as to why he was in the position he was, again, to start camp and things can change over the next few weeks, but it hasn't been about his physical ability. It hasn't been questioning his physical makeup, the tools that he has to develop into what Tennessee's coaching staff hopes. There's also a reason, though, that the word out of Gainesville was that Florida wasn't sweating too much, the departure of Mincy when he transferred to Tennessee, but he played a good amount last year, started more than half of the games for Tennessee, We also saw Crawford, though. He's the one that has the video that went viral where he's uh, there's some projectile, and then he looks at the Alabama defense and says, that's right. But from an upside standpoint, Mincy is the guy that NFL teams have pointed to. We have talked about that here on the show in the last week, that with the offensive line, Mincy has been the guy that, not expecting to be a top 10 pick or even a first-round pick, but NFL teams have said, hey, he has the the makeup to be an NFL guy. Well, if that's the case, well, then he needs to be a starter for you on the offensive line. So they can still be fine if it's Crawford and if it's Campbell on the left side. They can be because of the coaching with Glenn Ellerby, but are they going to be at their best? Are they going to reach maximum potential? Probably not because I think the coaching staff has viewed Mincy as a guy that should be a starter. And again, what NFL teams have evaluated. So for Tennessee to beat its best, they want Gerald Mincy to be his best. And it appears he still has some work to do that. For them to throw him uh, out at out at left tackle, uh, that's one of two things. They basically are throwing their hands up that he's not going to get mean, and that was the headline, to the subhead on your story. And uh, he needs to get mean, and he doesn't have the right attitude. I've been told that by people within the program. But he – that's either throwing your hands up, Josh, or that's get his attention now, early in camp, and shifting back over to right tackle. That's yeah. those are my thoughts. Yeah, let's see where things stand over the next week. I mean, if a week from now we're still having the conversation of Crawford appears to be the guy at right tackle, then it it probably hasn't changed unless something develops with the Mincy Campbell battle. But I don't necessarily expect that right now. So let's see. Yeah, I mean, it it has to largely be. A mindset thing there can be more to it than that but that's the starting point and probably the bulk of this conversation for Gerald Mincy and by the way this is not to discount Crawford's ability to play well for Tennessee again play at Darnell Wright's level that's unfair and that can't just be glossed over that was such a critical factor in Tennessee's success last season as an offense that's what allowed Tennessee's offense to go from being really good and really dangerous to the best in the country in scoring average and an unstoppable force at times, including the Alabama game. I've said it over and over again on the radio, and I'm sure on this show, but as great as Hooker and Hyatt were against Alabama, producing five touchdowns, they don't produce all five touchdowns without Darnell Wright. That's how great he was, and that's what they have to replace. Being a top 10 pick as an offensive tackle in the NFL means you're special. And uh, that is not a fair expectation for Crawford and Mincy, but Crawford can still play well. Mincy's talent, though, if he's standing on the sideline, would probably be wasting it. 
Yeah, and 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 real quick before you go here, Caleb, uh, I think Crawford is the most respected player slash person on the offensive line, not named Cooper Mays. So yeah, he's I, he's yeah. That's why I don't want to discount what he's done. He's earned right. the position that he's in on the field. He can still go out there and perform well. He was on the field in that win against Alabama too. So it's it's not to discount what he's done, but it is to discount what Mincy's done to this point. If if he's not able to earn a starting spot. Crawford's just not as physically gifted. I mean, that, mm-hmm. it, you know, Darnell Wright was doing backflips at 330 pounds. That's bizarro. So I mean, he's, he's yeah. not, as, I mean, he's not as physically gifted as some yeah. of these well, other guys. One defensive Mincy online, I still wouldn't recommend going at, at bloggers or really anybody online. I just spend <laughs> your time elsewhere. Darnell did go at a Cincinnati Bengals uh, writer, if you recall, a few uh, months ago. I uh, did. Went into his direct messages and had, quite the comment to him from a guy that was actually paying him a big compliment, but was saying, I see him as a right tackle, not a left tackle. And Darnell didn't like that. So he let the guy know it. And then they had a back and forth and right acknowledge. Yeah, probably went a little too far in that one, but language that I can't just repeat right here. That is gold. I, yeah. I think I'm going to start a burner account like Kevin Durant. Just talk about <laughs> how, how awesome Dave Hooker is. <laughs> oh, well, if we see somebody, Tweeting that out there, we'll know it's you because it won't right. be anybody else. It'll be it'll be hook daddy eight exclamation point. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> Dave. I promise. Yeah. I'm not Dave Hooker. Y'all do know that like politicians now hire a team of staffers to create burner accounts that defend them on Twitter. Like that's like a thing that happens now. Totally and... doesn't. Surprise oh, I don't me. doubt that in the least. <laughs> uh, Josh, I was going to move to uh, Nico and a couple other things you mentioned, but since we're staying on the offensive line. I want to talk about left guard. I don't think it's any surprise that it comes down to Andre's Carrick or Ollie Lane. I think we all thought that. I got to be honest, Ollie Lane, I want to know your thoughts, is kind of developing into one of my favorite people to ever play football for Tennessee. I mean, here's a guy that's just been a utility blocker for three years and has just done whatever's asked of him. And it, I know you're not supposed to think this way. This is the former way I'm thinking. But doesn't there come a point where it's like almost you've earned a spot, you've earned your chance to be a starter for a year in a, in a spot? Yeah. Well, yeah, I do think he's earned a chance. He's he's getting that first shot at it, probably going into camp again. It's it's day one, but when the line was out there, he went with the first group. So, Ollie has uh, he's put in all the work. He's been respected by his teammates, and he's going to get a shot. Kark was brought in as a transfer from Texas with his uh, experience with the Longhorns, more on the outside at tackle and in jumbo packages where he was an extra blocker, like a sixth offensive lineman. <laughs> And that's what he did for Texas. But there's no real spot, it looks like, to start a tackle, despite what we just talked about with competition. The, the need is probably greater at left guard, so he's getting a shot there. And if we're talking about potential for the offensive line, it still might be better from just a talent standpoint, physical gift standpoint of Kark winning that job. But he's still new to the line. He's making the adjustment of working on the outside to working – inside at left guard and that's where lane has more experience so if they're more comfortable with with ollie and he is making less mistakes if that's what it comes down to then they'll go with him kark has a real shot here though and i think his progression over the off season has given him a better chance of being the guy but is that against virginia or is that as the season goes along we'll see but i i think it's more likely between those two guys at that one spot at left guard Total real quick Dave, before you jump in sorry i just right. have to point out i bring that up because ollie lane is starting to strike me as the theo jackson of the offensive line remember theo jackson labored four years starting different spots and then finally got to settle in at nickel in 2021 and really showed what he could do 
Yeah, I'm told that Addison Nichols, by the way, on that interior needs to get meaner too. So we'll see if that happens. Then you've got number three, Nico proves he's ready. Well, according to offensive coordinator Joey Halsley, Nico's ready to run out there and win a Super Bowl. He was ready. ready. Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. I wonder if he got chided just a little bit because you would have thought Nico was coming into like year four. Yeah, and Joey Halsley talked up his guys the other day. He talked up uh, Dante Thornton, uh, which we can get to as well. But, uh, I mean, look, Nico has to be ready. Half the league last year had to rely on a backup quarterback at one point because of an injury to the starter. That included Tennessee at the end of the season, and Joe Milton had to be ready. And, by the way, he was. And that was the case across the SEC. And knowing what the league is, and Joe dealt with an injury in 2021, that's how Hendon Hooker got his first opportunity, was going in to replace an injured Joe Milton. Well, if something happens to Joe, whether it's short-term or long-term with an injury, Nico has to be ready to go. There's also the possibility that all of this offseason excitement and hype surrounding Joe Milton doesn't come to fruition on the field. Uh, as I wrote in the column, Tennessee is not planning on Joe not living up to their expectation. They are planning on him succeeding and leading the offense and being the quarterback all season long. But what if he falters? That's still a question, right? What if they're in a, a close game at Florida or against South Carolina? I don't need to go through the entire schedule. If in late game situations where it's tight and it doesn't go well offensively and that carries over to another week, I mean, I don't, I don't need to lay out why a quarterback controversy could pop up. If that happens, well, then they need to have somebody else that they can count on. So the plan is for Joe to be the guy, for him to succeed, and he's the starter all season long, and then Nico takes over in 2024 when I'm sure the staff will be more than confident in his ability to take over. But plans don't always work out. So for whatever reason, that's how it was phrased to Joey Halsley, is Nico ready? Joey Halsley says yes, and that needs to be the correct answer. And so, yeah, and Josh is calling on off the hooksports.com. You said uh, Tennessee left guard emerges. So we, we kind of addressed um, that. And uh, it could be, I don't think we mentioned the name Andre Keurig, who makes me want another cup of coffee. But Dante Thornton shows he's ready to explode, was also on your list, uh, Josh. And Joey Halsley was pretty high on Dante as well. I think he needs to show that he's ready to explode for this reason. I'm going to go kind of left field. You had a co-host that used to say, I like to zig when people zag. So I'll throw this out there. I'm not sure there's a second tight end ready behind Jacob Warren. Might be McAllen Castles, but I know the other guys aren't physically ready. We'll see what Castles can do. So what if the rotation, as opposed to Fant Warren, Fant Warren, is four wide Warren, four wide Warren. In other words, you're getting Squirrel and Dante on the field at the same time in a slot position and then Ramel and Brew on the outside. I think there's some spicy sauce to that. And Squirrel White actually uh, referenced it during his media session on Tuesday. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, and you're talking about four guys with, different skill sets to work with squirrel being the smallest guy out there with the quickness shiftiness to make plays uh dante is impressive looking when you walk out there on the field like day number one is a okay who looks the part kind of day well Dante's going to stand out he's six five the way that he can move uh he's been in a college program from oregon to now tennessee for a few years then you have brew with his just 
physical ability. And Ramel Keaton, an all-around guy that has put in so much work, that has plenty of talent and a connection with Joe Milton, that's a lot to work with. And it's a good problem to try to figure out how to solve of, okay, how do we keep all these guys happy? How do we spread the ball around? A lot has been made of Joe Milton's connection with Ramel Keaton. I think that matters. But Brew McCoy has made it be known this offseason, hey, I'm ready to step up into a bigger role. And we've seen Joe connect with Squirrel White. So the next question is, what can Dante do? And with his size and his speed, and a lot of the talk of the offseason had to do with Hyatt type speed, who's faster lining up and running. I don't know that that really matters, but both have a ton of speed. We saw it with Hyatt, and Thornton's going to have a chance to show it off. And he can line up in the slot, can line up outside. Here's what I'm confident in. Josh Heupel figuring out how to get wide receivers open. We've seen it already at Tennessee. And then you add even more talent into the fold. And uh, it is it is going to look a little different in terms of what Princeton Fant can do versus somebody like Dante Thornton coming in and then Jacob Warren coming back with all his experience in the offense. They just have so much to work with. So I would be stunned if Dante Thornton, assuming he stays healthy this season, doesn't make several wow plays in this offense. And part of it might be, wow, I can't believe he was that wide open. Then he just catches the football and strolls into the end zone. That can happen for him. That can happen for for Squirrel. But uh, talking to Phil Still a couple of months ago, he said, yeah, the guy I want to see is Dante Thornton. Well, where did he get that idea from? That was Joey Halsley, who talked about the freakish talent that is rare on Tuesday, meeting with the media, talking about Dante Thornton. Joey Halsley is planning to help get the football to Dante Thornton. That's one item to watch for that I know fans have already been talking about this offseason. Josh, I'll tell you what. um, It seems like the conversation has been either it's Joe Milton or there's a quarterback competition or that's pretty much it. And I think right now it's Joe Milton. Would it be crazy to have a Nico package? Because there are probably some things that he can do slightly better or different. And you you get him ready moving forward. Is is that insane to think that you could kind of have this situation where Tim Tebow played a little bit? I'm not saying he's going to go in there and do jump passes and stuff. You know that. But that you might have something for Nico early in the season in meaningful time or is best case scenario. He's just purely a garbage time quarterback. I would think it's more likely he's a garbage time quarterback. If Josh Heupel sees something that's obviously different and can be a wrinkle they throw in that will help them succeed, then I'm not going to question Josh Heupel, who's one of the better offensive coaches in the country. But also, how much do you want to change things up if you're in some kind of a rhythm, if things are going well for you offensively, and take Joe Milton off the field and risk the possibility of affecting him negatively? Nico has a, um, an incredible skill set. His ability to move with the football, his ability to throw on the run, his ability to stand in there. Um, it's it's one of the – got to be. I, mean, I can't imagine there's a taller quarterback um, – combination a couple of six five six six guys out there so standing in the pocket making plays it can be as simple as that and they're going to have a ton of success but nico has natural playmaking ability with his legs Uh, i think short yardage situations could be something that they look at with joe milton so you know like tebow when you bring up the jump pass down around the goal line is nico a better threat there than joe i wouldn't think so um also not that you play scared but I wouldn't want to risk getting my backup quarterback hurt in a special package, which might include him on the move. And then all of a sudden you're down to one scholarship quarterback, your starter. Uh, So 
I would lean toward no, but if they find a package where they can protect the quarterback and he can make plays and it works, well, then I'm not going to question Josh Heupel trying to go in that direction. That would be really interesting because – sorry to interrupt, Caleb, but I will just say that I think the fans deep down, they're not saying this because they want success for Joe Milton, but they want – I'm just basing this off our YouTube channel, and it was about – 10 times the viewers. I know YouTube can be YouTube, Josh, but about 10 times the viewers of Nico's interview uh, than Joe Milton. And I sense that Joe Milton got a little uh, sick of uh, answering some questions about how ready he is. Maybe that's just the time of the year, but Caleb, go ahead, sir. So Josh and Dave, because you guys have both been Dave, I know you can do both of these and uh, Josh, I know you can do one. You can probably do both too. I'm looking at a. I'm trying to look at the hype behind Nico because of what Dave just brought up, as a freshman quarterback behind a senior, where the freshman got this much hype despite being the projected backup. Now you can't say Trevor Lawrence because he ended up winning the job anyway. But how does Nico compare to? How does the Nico Joe situation compare to Tim Tebow, Chris Leak in 2006, and also here's a throwback one: Eli Manning, Romero Miller in 2000. Oh wow! Um, how does Nico Joe compare to those two? Josh, I would start with saying the Florida that very different skill set between Leak and Tebow, which played to their advantage. Yeah, that's why that worked so well. Uh, those two guys were so different, and Urban Meyer's offense was able to take advantage of Tebow's skill set in a very specific way while he continued to develop to get ready to be the guy the following season. Boy, was he ready. Went out and won the Heisman. Uh, I, th- the thing to me here is like th- there is a ton of excitement around Nico, I do wonder in terms of comparing this week, media day, excitement of hearing or seeing what Nico has to say versus Joe is they've seen and fans have seen and heard from Joe a lot this summer, either through hype videos or meeting with the media. He was just at SEC media days a week and a half ago. So what really was there different for him to talk about compared to when he met with the media in Nashville? And he's done other uh, media obligations while Nico's not been heard from since the end of the spring. But the, the, the potential of Joe on the field this season is about as high as anybody in the country. I mean, it was just last week that you have the Jordan Rogers quotes floating around talking about he has, uh, now I'm paraphrasing, but his, his talent or upside is just uh, head and shoulders above everybody else in the country. Like Caleb Williams came back from winning the Heisman and is a projected number one pick. And Drake, Drake may is a projected top five pick. So the potential for Joe, again, if it's, it's upside, it's everything coming together, but it's him being a first-round pick. Like, when we talk about the other quarterbacks that either Tebow's trying to replace and Leak, like, Leak was a he, – remember, he's a highly touted guy. Go back to his Tennessee recruitment and was a good quarterback. They won a national championship with him. But people weren't talking first-round pick with Chris Leak as a quarterback. And everybody knew Eli was the guy. It was just a matter of when does he take over. And uh, to bring up Trevor Lawrence replacing Kelly Bryant, Kelly Bryant was a nice – college quarterback trevor lawrence was a projected number one pick joe milton is being talked about as a potential first round pick his upside is that of i mean he's preseason all sec so i think I, I still think fans are really excited about what he can do they want to see those 70 yard bombs to dante thornton and squirrel white and uh i i think fans i think fans along with people inside the building at tennessee are hoping joe explodes himself has a huge season is a high NFL draft pick, and then he hands the keys over to Nico next year. But you know, if they get a chance to see Nico, they're not going to complain about that. There was a, a loud applause when he made his debut in the Orange and White game 
uh, a few months ago. So I'm I'm not taking away from fan excitement about Nico, but I, I wouldn't I, I I would steer clear of saying fans are not excited about Joe. I'm sensing a lot of excitement about Joe Milton from Tennessee's fans too. Uh, let's play a little role play game. How about that, Josh? Then we'll let you out of here. Okay. So at role, role play with a hooker, love it. Yes, role play with a hooker. It's like twenty percent extra. So <laughs> I, here, here, here we go, Josh. So when do you get this call? Um, uh, hey, Josh, how you doing today? You every day, huh? Okay, yeah, keep going. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, 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 we're not done. Uh, hey, Josh, love listening show. First time caller, how you doing today? supposed to say good oh yeah good how are you doing <laughs> i'm great uh my name is bob up in sweetwater and my question is uh why don't they just give nico a shot after the way joe's played does that happen in september if you had a bet a mortgage payment on it um one person yeah one <laughs> yeah uh, I'm. I, I would. It's, it's how good your call screener is. Yeah, like Tennessee could beat Florida. I don't know, thirty-five to fourteen, and Joe has a really nice day, and then Nico has a couple of scoring drives late, forty-two to fourteen, whatever. And we'd probably get the. You know, there's something with that Nico. Should we go ahead and? Yeah. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. But you know, if if the offense just goes out there and hums against Virginia, heck, if it's if it's Bowling Green-ish against Virginia, then we'll probably get that call on Monday, uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning. Uh, probably so. But that doesn't mean the coaching staff is going to think that. They're going to, they're going to, like, we'll never know how long Joe's opportunity was going to last in 2021. Like, were they going to make a change in that game? Or were they going to let him play it out? I, I don't know what the answer to that question is, but uh, will there be a fan or two or 10 that are, waiting for the first chance to say let's give it to nico i'm sure but i don't think that's tennessee's thought right now or or will be at the start of the season i think it's gonna have to be obvious to them that hey we got to think about something else yeah well if you get one caller you will have had already fifteen thousand tweets and if tennessee punts the first time tennessee punts against virginia how many tweets are there going to be about bringing in Nico? Yeah. Vault Twitter is the biggest overreacting Twitter fan base in the country. <laughs> yeah, because re- remember here, they have two scholarship quarterbacks. Uh, with all due respect to Gaston Moore, they have two scholarship guys. If you switch from Joe to Nico, and you're making that switch early. We we just spent time last week talking about Joe's admission of questioning himself. Is he is he still the leader? Is he still so? You just can't do that. If if you're making the move to Nico, it has to be obvious you make the move to Nico. It's not well. It's just change things up and create a, a midseason quarterback competition. And remember uh, team Ainge versus team Clawson. Oh great. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good move. Yeah. So um, sure. yeah, you don't, you don't I'm, spend I'm the a entire Jonathan offseason Crompton, building Nick up Stevens, Joe and then Coleman guy myself. <laughs> uh, Carl brought up a good point. He said, when does he get sick of answering? Will you still overthrow? When are you going to crash and burn? And what do you ask him? from SEC media days till now. I asked him if he was going to see Oppenheimer or Barbie. He didn't know what either of those movies were. So I guess I could ask him this week, did you see Oppenheimer or Barbie? Did you, Have you seen either, by the way, Josh? 
I've three kids, five and under. You think I've been to the theater to see Oppenheimer or Barbie? No, I have not. Do you even know, do you even know where the theater is nowadays? <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen uh, Toy Story two four times in the last seven days. Oh, Lord. so That's a great movie. That's a really yeah, sad. It's, it's movie. wonderful. Yeah, we're we're on a real uh, Buzz and Woody kick at the house right now, which is great. Yeah, I'm not the greatest parent in the world, but I would not take your kids that are five and under to see Oppenheimer. <laughs> just yeah, uh, we we are planning a, a Godfather run one and two. Oh, and nice. We'll, nice. We'll do that before football season kicks in. Start yeah. with two and confuse any theory they have in time. Yeah, we're, we're, there you go. Yeah, well, you know, the first time I ever watched Godfather two, I watched disc. Two, I started with disc two, and I had no idea what was going on. I realized, oh, there's it's a two disc. I started. With- <laughs> that's that's true. Godfather two, Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> the two best sequels uh and rocky too i would take that josh thank you have a fantastic uh day and afternoon and uh, go ahead and take those calls at uh, uh nico is bob from uh uh eastridge and uh, i think uh he needs to be a starter long time first time long time first time see you man hang up Josh Ward, <laughs> hang up and listen to the sports animal from noon to three. Yeah, Josh will be getting those calls. So Star Wars nerd here. I love Empire Strikes Back. I think it's amazing what they did with the writing because it's one of the most like twist, greatest twists in cinema history. And the, the, the opening is great. The ending is great. But someone brought up the other day, Empire Strikes Back is only the most acclaimed because it leaves you, it opens strong and it ends strong. But the middle is actually kind of weak. There's some truth to that. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think Godfather 2 is better than Godfather 1, and I think Rocky 2 is better than Rocky 1. And that's the only three situations where I can think a sequel is Dark better. Knight is better than Batman Begins. And... Oh, okay. I almost think of those as separate Most movies. superhero I know they sequels. Are sequels. I know they are sequels, but I almost think of them as separate movies. If that makes yeah, sense. well, with superhero movies, the second one is usually better because they spend the whole first one introducing the characters. I know, and if yeah. you're a comic book nerd like me, you know the backstory. Yeah, exactly. I know who Lois Lane is. I know like Spider-Man who... 2 was better than Spider-Man. He was bitten by a spider. Okay, yeah. we've got to go through this whole thing. I've sat bored in theaters to great movies that have been produced, and it's simply because they're going down that storyline that I read when I was six years old. Our metro areas where Tennessee is having success in recruiting, let's go ahead and dive into that right now. You wanted to bring that up, and I was on a Nashville radio station this morning and you don't think that Nashville is going to be a huge boost for Tennessee recruiting anytime soon, and that it's probably been a little bit overblown to this point. And funny enough, that discussion came up. <clears throat> I think if Tennessee has continues to have success, like, for instance, my 18-year-old son, he doesn't know Tennessee as a successful program. But if they have success, they'll get more of those guys from Nashville, and just by pure numbers, they'll win out and good, get good players from there. But you want to address the metro areas that Tennessee – uh, has represented on its roster now, and I'm sure that will lead us into recruiting. You take it and run. Yeah, so number 10, it's uh, Charlotte. And funny enough, Raleigh-Durham just missed this metro area. But for people who don't know, Charlotte and Raleigh-Durham are not the same metro area in North Carolina. And Charlotte's got David Hobbs and James Pierce Jr., who I think have a lot of potential. And so I think both of those are going to be very, very, very strong. Kingsport Bristol is number nine, and that's because Austin Lewis 
Don't overrate him. Don't underrate him on the defensive line. And then UCF transfer Charlie Browder and reliable offensive lineman Dane Davis is still there. Number eight is Murfreesboro with the Herring twin with the Herring brothers and Andre Turrentine. And Murfreesboro has always been a bit underrated, as I'm sure you know, Dave, with the talent that they produce out of that area. It's kind of like the Jackson of Middle Tennessee, I would yeah, say. Good point. And then you go on a long plane ride for number seven. LA, baby. Brew McCoy and Nico. I mean, both of them. And look, Brew McCoy is the best NFL draft prospect starting on this team this year. Hails from the LA area. He comes from Palos Verdes Estates, and Nico comes from Long Beach. So obviously they're going to be there. And I think John Campbell Jr. is from Northern California, for those who want to ask him. He's not from the L.A. area, so didn't name him. Miami's only got two, but their two are Joe Milton and Gerald Mincy. So Joe Milton's from – yeah, Milton's from Pahokee. Mincy is from Fort Lauderdale. I consider those both Miami area, don't you, Dave? Metro area. Oh, yeah. Fort Lauderdale, yeah. It's right there. Stone's throw. Um, Birmingham, you got Squirrel White. Khalifa Keith is a power back. He's going to have an impact. And Ricky Gibson the third could start a quarterback this year. So Alabama's largest city coming in. Now, I do have Nashville at number four. Uh, but that's largely because of Arian Carter's commitment this past offseason. And also Elijah Simmons, who's actually from Memphis, but he transferred to Pearl Cone in Nashville before he committed. But if it wasn't for those two, I'd have Nashville behind Birmingham. And for the largest metro area in Tennessee to barely be top five and contributing to the flagship university's roster, Nashville, I've been saying that – they. here's my thing with Nashville. Yes, it's growing in popularity. But is it growing in popularity in the way that, like, it might be the New York City of the South? Like, it may be big in numbers but not big in football talent. It's mm. not really a southern city culturally anymore. <laughs> Well, I'm not willing to go that far because Nashville behind Birmingham is usually the second highest in terms of television ratings when it comes to watching college football. Now, that could change with people coming in and out. And if they get a major league baseball team, certainly things could change. But I'm not willing to go that far. I still think it is a college football town. Talking to some of our friends um, in, in radio in that area, they said, you know, when Tennessee started winning, it did take over a good percentage of their content when it was almost exclusively Titans. So, um, I'm but not, that's I'm the not... people that are, that's the long-term residents of Nashville. I don't think the people moving to Nashville care about Tennessee football. I'm just going to be honest. I don't think they care about football at all. Well, maybe not care about football at all. I can't argue that either way, but, uh, care about Tennessee football. I think you've got to win. So you move to an area and then if your team's winning, I think it helps. I think that helped the Titans a lot. Had the Titans not had that run uh, when they were in Nashville around 2000, I don't think that you would have seen as many Titans fans as you do now because growing up in Knoxville, Caleb, you basically you watched four teams. It was the Raiders, Cowboys, Dolphins, and who am I forgetting? Uh, but there were basically four teams on television every Sunday. So you kind of pick between those four. And then you had Memphis at number three, Knoxville at number two. No surprise what is number one if you want to run down the top three there. Yeah, so just to name a couple for each. Memphis has Amari Thomas and Javari Small. Really, Briarcrest, the school in Memphis, pushes pushes Memphis into the top three. But Bryson Easton out of Whitehaven, Tamir McDonald out of Whitehaven. Whitehaven, Briarcrest, and, and Lausanne produce all the talent in Memphis. And then number two, Knoxville, 
Cooper Mays, Jacob Warren, two of the most irreplaceable players. Tyler Barron might be the biggest star on the defense this year. Those three alone can push Knoxville. Those are three really key players. And by the way, it's interesting that Memphis and Knoxville both have better high school football right now than Nashville. I'm just pointing that out. And, and, and number one is, no surprise, Atlanta. And I don't know. And, and part of this is Jeremy Pruitt. People got mad at Jeremy Pruitt for not for focusing more on Georgia than trying to build a fence around Tennessee. And Jeremy Pruitt was very clear. The lesser talent in Georgia is better usually than the top talent in Tennessee. And nobody wanted to admit that at the time, but he was right. I mean, he was proven more than No, right. I think there are probably two or three guys in the entire state of Tennessee that could could, could be considered upper echelon talent in Atlanta. Two or three guys a year. Yeah, I agree. That you would say could stand toe-to-toe, and I would take that dude from Nashville or that dude from Atlanta, and I feel good about either. I think there are two or three in the entire state – of Tennessee that would stand toe to toe with the upper echelon of talent in the Atlanta area. I completely agree with that. 100%. All right. Uh, man, I'm excited about this next segment because we are going to discuss the uh, fact that Florida state is going to be an sec school. It's just a matter of time. And also the 10 greatest single seasons by a Tennessee defensive end of all time. Stay tuned. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. This is Off the Hook Sports. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe button. We greatly appreciate that. Back in two minutes. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry. I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. I think we're close to having one of the most interesting merch stores in the history of merch stores. Let's just put it this way. Something you can read something you can smoke, and something you can wear. It's pretty okay. good, Caleb. Hemp. Well, it's not all the same thing. No, it's not hemp, but hemp would be all the same. Thing. You can read, smoke, and wear hemp. Yes, I didn't mean it was all the same thing. I mean, there were three different things, but that's right. We're just going to start selling hemp. No, we're not going to do that, but uh, we do uh, highly suggest that uh, you check out our merch store when it's uh, up and running. And uh, I- I'm excited to announce that uh, uh, my-, my Celebrate 98 book, The Untold Stories Behind the 1998 National Championship Tennessee Volunteers, is uh, set to finally go to the publisher. And Caleb knows how much I've been through this, <laughs> including the slight loss of vision. So he's probably uh, glad that I'll stop talking about it. My wife said it's like having a baby. And I said, yeah, it's like having a baby that you want the heck out of your house and never want to see again. <laughs> it's like a baby you immediately put up for adoption. I don't ever, I'm not keeping a copy in my house. I don't want it anywhere around, but I'm excited about it. Be sure you hit like and subscribe and have those notifications on because we'll visit with Dwayne Goodridge, who plays a big part in the book, a former cornerback at Tennessee played for the Dallas Cowboys and our celebrate 98 video series will uh, be a conversation with uh, me, him and the one, the only Fred white who joins us for football Fridays with uh, Fred. So uh, Florida state to the sec, just inevitable. Is it done? The board of regents is trying to get out of there as quickly as they can. I don't think there are an awful lot of options right now. But let me ask you this. When Texas and Oklahoma just call up and they say, uh, can I get uh, Greg Sankey's office? And they say, may I ask who's speaking? And they say, this is the athletic director at the University of Texas. We want to join the SEC. And they hold, please. And they get Greg Sankey on the phone. So Greg Sankey has to say yes or he's fired, right? Yes. I mean, but Greg Sankey did. I, I criticize the way he's handled some things. But he did use some leverage where he said you can't have the Longhorn Network if you join the SEC. We're not right. giving you that personal special treatment. But it's a no-brainer, correct? Right. Yes. Is yes. For, everybody for, criticized the SEC for doing it as if they would not have done the same thing if the, if the Texas and Oklahoma called their conference. Right. So <laughs> if Florida State calls, is it a no-brainer? Yes. Yes. I think so, too. It's, Florida State is an SEC school in the ACC. And for those that don't know, South Carolina was the consolation for the SEC in 1992. They wanted Florida State, and they wanted Florida State badly in 1992. And Bobby Bowden came out. This this is back when people didn't say such things publicly, and they're probably even more discreet now. He just came out and said, I don't want to go to the SEC because it's too hard. He said that publicly. You might have been too young to to remember that. I, I remember him acknowledging it later in life. 
basically saying that like it's probably a good thing we didn't go to the sec i don't know if we would have been as good i mean he straight up said it okay so what schools then because the acc is falling apart the pac-12 is falling apart like literally on a daily basis literally this is happening from day to day not even they might be down to four teams by saturday yes what teams would call that if you're greg sankey you're taking no doubt period end of the discussion we don't even need to finish the conversation talk financial terms i'll take you and i know you mentioned they got him out of the big 10 network and, and but sure there would be little considerations to take care of but ultimately what are the teams that you would say i'm taking you you're, we're finding a way for this to happen well there's four clearly which is florida state and i've been saying this for a while florida state clemson unc and one of the virginia schools you take them you and i know the it, all four of them provide value to the sec in the sense that they they do actually bring in the revenue necessary to keep the sec okay with its revenue distribution and with new and seeing one of the Virginia schools, you get a new TV market on top of that, which is still a factor. I know it's dying, but it's still a factor to a degree. The question for a while was the rumor this week was Florida state might go to the big 10, but we just found out yesterday. I don't know if you saw this, Dave, the big 10 is back on their train of reaching out to Oregon and Washington. And here's what I think is happening. Tell me if you think this is true or not. Oregon and Washington called the big 10 and basically said, Hey, we will accept less revenue sharing. We just want to get in your conference and get the heck out of that Pac-12. That's my guess. I think, I think that could very certainly be the case. And if if that's the case, as much as I've ripped the Big Ten for going out and getting Southern California and UCLA, if they're able to get two more West Coast teams, and like you and I talked about, kind of create a, a AFC, NFC, you know, East and, and get them for cheap think, too, because they'll take less revenue. Yes. I think that's golden. And I don't think they were ahead of the game. I think they stumbled into that if that happens. But I think that's golden. But it takes me to Oregon and Washington. So if I'm Oregon and Washington, I'm going to make every phone call before I make a commitment. If they call the SEC, do you automatically take them? Do you talk about it? Or is it a no-go? I think if you're the SEC, you talk about it. And you have to negotiate with Oregon and Washington. And the reason you have to negotiate is travel expenses are still a thing. And time zones and like organizational structure of when games come out is still a thing. And that's the issue with the Big Ten just having USC and UCLA. And why do that with Oregon and Washington when Florida State and Clemson both bring more value, more brand value than Oregon and Washington? I argue that one of the North Carolina that UNC and what either of the Virginia schools bring a little more brand value than Oregon and Washington with their revenue. And you're still in a new TV market. The congruency is still there. So the travel expenses don't, aren't the same. So I think that if you're the sec, you want Florida state Clemson, UNC and one of the Virginia schools before you call Oregon and Washington, that's your top four. And so that, and, and if you can't get them, then you maybe talk. But I think you hold out because I think I think we all agree the ACC is about to implode. Yeah, it's it seems like it's about two or three years behind the Pac-12 and imploding. I think there's going to be three conferences. Credit the Big 12 for losing Texas and Oklahoma. They've managed to cobble together a pretty good conference. And the SEC and the Big 10 are the two best conferences. I think you're going to see, instead of the Power 5, it's going to be like a Power 3. Maybe you bring in the Mountain West or some other conferences to make it a Power 5. I don't know what you do, but I think the Pac-12 is dead. I think the ACC is about two or three years behind it. So give me your schools that if they call, you take no matter what, end of the day. 
Rocky Top Tom said Georgia Tech, buddy, I love the history aspect of that. And I think there would be recruiting advantages to being in Atlanta. But I don't see them being one of those schools. Um, Georgia but- Tech cares nothing about athletics anymore. For those who don't know, Georgia Tech has no brand value and they have no TV market value because Georgia is a bigger deal in Atlanta than Georgia Tech. Okay, so you give me, uh, we have UNC, Clemson, Miami, and Florida State, according to General Neyland. I don't think it's actually the general, but somebody that may be related. General Neyland is close. Three of those schools, he's right. Miami, I don't think the SEC has any desire to add Miami. There's really no, the Big Ten would because that's a TV market and they can have a recruiting base in Florida. It's Florida State and Clemson and UNC, and I say Virginia or Virginia Tech. Here's my four that if I could magically add, it would be Clemson, Miami, Florida State, North Carolina. You don't want a Virginia school? That doesn't do as much. You brought that up before. It just doesn't do as much for me. I mean, I see your point, but I I would like to see Miami because I think it's a good trip for fans. I would like to see Miami because if you let the Big Ten take Miami, that's a real recruiting foothold in the most talented area period in the discussion in the United States of America when it comes to college football. Um, so I like Miami more. You and I agree on Florida State. We agree on North Carolina. Is that right? Yeah, we agree on North Carolina. And I think we But here's agree. the ugly truth that SEC fans don't want to hear. UNC and Miami are AAU schools, so they're eligible for the Big Ten. And they would rather go to the Big Ten than the SEC because the Big Ten, I'm sorry, because of negotiations, has more to offer them than the SEC at this moment. No, that's fair. I I don't know that the academic standards and you brought up the AAU thing is going to be a big decision. Or well, that combined with the revenue distribution, though, the Big Ten is about to distribute much more revenue than the SEC, and that's going to be the case for the next ten years. So, I mean, by the way, that's not devastating for the SEC. Because Florida State and Clemson can't go to the Big Ten, so the SEC can get them. And if they, if UNC goes to the Big Ten, I think you can add NC State. And you're, I don't think that's as much of a drop off from UNC as people think. I think NC State is close to UNC in value. What about you? No, I agree. I my four, like I said, Clemson, Miami, North Carolina, Florida State. But if you gave me the next two, I'm about to go crazy, Tom. Okay. Virginia Tech, kudos to Rocky Top Tom because they are right across the border, and that's a semi-rivalry. Actually, that would be that, a, that, would be, that could be a Michigan Ohio State rivalry in the SEC. Yeah. Tennessee and Virginia. Well, you want to hear the weird other one? Duke. Where are you going? Duke. The I think you're just yes, you're, but you're just thinking about success. But Duke as a brand. Does Duke really bring in like TV revenue or any? Are people going to subscribe to the SEC network, for instance, if this goes to streaming just so they can watch Duke? Well, I tell you what, you put a if you put a Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina on Apple television or whatever in the world the Pac 12 is doing, yes, I think people would subscribe to that. I think you would. What's the best right now? The best basketball conference is probably the Big 12 with the changes they've made. So if you you could be the best basketball conference if you added Duke and North Carolina. I'm I'm just that I know that's out in left field and all the decisions are going to be made about football. I understand that I'm in crazy land. Okay. But it's not as crazy when you think about it, because suddenly you're the best football conference and you're probably the best basketball conference as well. If you get Duke and North Carolina, you're right. Um, 
you you are the best. They have to, but they have to come together for the basketball argument. You can't just take Duke. Well, and and you and to be fair, UNC and Duke actually have contractual agreements, and this is the other part that people don't get. State legislatures in these states, these are public institutions, not Duke, but a lot of these are where they hitch their future to the wheel of the other school. So I think, for instance, I don't think Kansas can make any moves without Kansas State being protected, and I don't. I think that's with Washington and Washington State too. So, you know, does what do they do in that point? I mean, I think you and I are like leave Washington State and Oregon State behind. Who cares? But I mean, wouldn't it be weird for SEC fans that I think across the board dislike Duke because it's a private school to root for them in the NCAA basketball tournament? Because I tend to root for SEC teams in the basketball tournament. Conference, root, conference pride is dead. That's yeah. over. It's so right. big now. And it really just helps the other team recruit better. Yeah, it's like rooting for the NFC East team in the Super Bowl if you're a Cowboy fan or the <laughs> AFC South team. That's a pretty good point. And you're talking to a guy who thinks the Eagles should just be cut out of the NFL permanently because they're bad people. Uh, he's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Off the Wait, hook what sport. about uh, greatest Oh, yeah. Oh, we got, your, we, got your, yeah, we got your top 10 list. I'm sorry. Top 10 defensive ends. Let's get to that. It's uh, uh, on Off the Hook Sports. Dot com and uh, Caleb's uh, continued this series. It's been fantastic. Sorry about that. Uh, 10 greatest single seasons by an edge rusher or defensive end. You start with a really good one who had a great year, who really surprised me throughout his career. I didn't think he was special. I was wrong. It was Sean Ellis, 1999, and he went on to have a great year, a great career in the NFL. Yes. Now, Dave, you explained to me this. Sean Ellis and I had Doran Walker for defensive tackle in 99 and Sean Ellis at defensive end for 99. Both were 98 starters. How was the 99 team worse? Because it seems like they were the defensive line was at least much better in 99 <laughs> than it was in 98. Um, complacency and a change in coaching in the defensive backfield. Makes perfect sense. Yep. Um, uh, number Paris nine. Harrelson at uh, number nine. Yes. Rest in peace. He passed away, I think, a year ago. Um, that you'd covered him, Dave. I'm sure he was the anchor of a great defense that was wasted because of the worst offensive coaching I've ever seen by a football team. Yep. Uh, Ronnie McCartney going back to 1975. I'll, I'll take your word mm-hmm. on that. Uh, Kurt Majit, 2014. So you're kind of going back before the term edge rusher was used, uh, but that's exactly what he was, was an edge rusher, whether his hand was down or not. Yeah, Kurt Majit was really the first in Tennessee history. Like, he was the first time I had ever seen, and I, I'll give John Jansen and Butch Jones credit for this, they were the first to really say, it doesn't really matter if you're an outside linebacker defensive end. It's like, it doesn't matter how you play if you're an edge rusher. Your goal is just to get to the passer. And Majit played that role well. And look, if Kurt Majit didn't get hurt in 2015, I think he would have been an NFL star. Absolutely. So uh, coming up next, Bud Sherrod in 1950. Again, I'm going to take your word for that. Jonathan Brown in 1997. And then you had Todd Kelly. Um, and his his family has been a part of Tennessee football for decades. And he was very, very, very good. No question. Yes, yes. Todd Kelly, He he's a guy, he waited three years to start. He rode the bench, 89, 90, 91, and then he got one year to start in 92, and he absolutely dominated. Todd Kelly's play, when Johnny Majors was in the hospital, is the biggest reason Fulmer got the coaching job. The reason Tennessee beat Florida and Georgia is because of what Todd Kelly did on defense in those games. Yep. 
Absolutely. Then Derek Barnett, um, he's kind of one of those fan favorites in a time that Tennessee football wasn't very good, and he should be. He was a very, very good player. Yes, Derek Barnett. Honestly, Derek Barnett had three straight double-digit sack seasons. And there was always comparisons between Derek Barnett and Miles Garrett at the time. And I always said Barnett was better because Miles Garrett racked up stats against bad teams. He was kind of the Tyler Bree of defensive linemen, whereas Barnett saved his best stats for the best teams. And I give him credit for that. But 2016 was his best year. And look at my guy here, General Nealon. No, he's not the real one, but he's got Leonard Little sophomore year. He was ahead of the curve. That is number one on your list. Before we get to him, I got to give Bowden Wyatt a shout out in 1938. Oh, How could I skip Bowden Wyatt? 1938, golden age of Tennessee football, Tennessee's first national championship season, their first SEC championship season, their first season they ever made a bowl game, and their third undefeated season in history, and the last one until 1998 that they went undefeated. But yes, Leonard Little, number one. Dave, I'm going to give you a hot take. You know how Leonard Little earned All-American in 1997? Yes. That was a lifetime achievement All-American award because they didn't give it to him in 95. But 95 was the year he should have been an All-American and not 97. Because 95 was the, he was hurt in 96. They were forcing him at middle linebacker, as you talked about in 97, where he wasn't a fit. But 95, he set the record for tackles for a loss at Tennessee with 25, a record that still stands to this day. Leonard Little earned All-American honors in 97 because of what he did in 95. And they should have given it to him in 95. Great stuff. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. It's all on offthehooksports.com. Be sure and check it out. We'll meet with you each and every weekday, Eastern time. 10 a.m. tomorrow it will be a football Friday with Fred. Always love that. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.